What is happening, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of SBST, Slightly Biased Sports Talks. Milan, always here alongside Bowen, and we've got way too much to talk about today. This is definitely going to be the longest episode because we have so much to talk about. The round of 16 of the Euros, uh, the quarterfinals of the Copa America are set. Uh, we have one half of the NBA Finals set. So, I don't know, Bowen, there, there's way too much to talk about today. What do you think? Yeah, Milan, there's quite a lot of talk about, my friend. It's uh, July 1st. Uh, the Euros are in full swing, of course, now due to being passed around a 16 into the quarterfinal stage. And last night, we saw one of the first two teams in the NBA Finals, the Phoenix Suns, advancing to the NBA Finals. Their first Finals appearance now since 1993, back when Charles Barkley used to play for the team. So, Milan, let's start with that game. Uh, we both watched that game last night. Suns obviously taking home the Western Conference trophy to advance to the NBA Finals. Six games is all it took. But, Milan, you got to say, the Clippers were pretty resilient after going down 0-2. Uh, they had a chance to force it to game seven, but just came up short. Uh, 100%. Um, in the doc here, I have um, notes saying uh, the Clippers, with credit to Reggie Jackson, Paul George, Marcus Morris, and Tyron Lue, pushed the Suns even without Kawhi, which is – those four individuals in terms of the Clippers organization for this season deserve all the credit mm -hmm. because Paul George was receiving some of the nastiest slander I've seen in the NBA in a very long time last year after his playoff performance. Um, Reggie Jackson, people weren't expecting much of him and he's been balling in these playoffs. Yeah. Marcus Morris, likewise, and Tyron Lue. Uh, he was questioned that whether or not in his time with the um, – Cleveland Cavaliers, whether it was just LeBron and a, you know, a coach, but it seems that Tyron Lue really figured it out um, with so many adjustments on the fly. Uh, Stephen A. Smith actually called him the best coach in basketball right now. It's I'd say he's up there. I wouldn't put him as the best right away, but I'd say he's up there because the, some of the adjustments he put out throughout uh, these playoff runs against um, Dallas in the first round, the way he, he they, they were switching around on Luca. Uh, I can't remember now who they played in the second round almost. Who was it they played in the second round? Second round, that would have been... The Jazz. Um, the yeah, Jazz, Utah. Right? And that was a big series because they went down 0-2. Utah were looking very uh, in the driver's seat in that series. And, you know, they lost Kawhi Leonard halfway through that series and they still prevailed, even when Utah was the number one seed, as you both know. But, yeah, Milan, uh, to your point, yeah, it's... Um, it's just phenomenal how a roster with Paul George really as its main guy could push this series to six games, almost to seven, but they just fell short. The injuries, they just piled up on the Clippers at the end. Zubach was out of games five and six. Uh, as we both know, Kawhi Leonard, he wasn't there. And Serge Ibaka, he's been out for a while now dealing with the back injury of his own. Moen, what are your thoughts on the Clippers? Uh, just like how they go forward from here. Cause we can talk all about their injury situation, how well they did to get it to six games. What do you think they do going forward? Let's talk about them first and then, then let's get to Phoenix and, and go on them. So yeah. What do you, what do you make of the Clippers summer? Do you think they're going to run it back? Uh, Reggie Jackson, Nick Batum, they're both going to hit the free agent market this summer. Where do you think they end up? Uh, Kawhi, I'd say he's probably going to come back, right? He's not going anywhere. Is he? Uh, I would hope Kawhi stays. I mean, the only reason he left the Lakers, uh, the the Raptors was because he didn't want to be in Toronto. He wanted to be in LA. So I would hope he stays with the Clippers. Uh, as for where the Clippers go from here, I mean, 
this is like a beginning of a new era for the Clippers because we've always known them as a team that can't get out of the second round. It seems to be cursed for them. They just could not do anything when it comes to getting out of the second round. And they completely changed that now because they've, you know, convincingly got out of the second round against a top team in the West. Um, they pushed a top team in the West to six games in the conference finals. Uh, and they faced a very tough first round. So, I, I mean... With all the injuries, like you said, piling up, this is a yeah. very, very big result for the LA Clippers. Um, I would think that they should have been the favorites in the series regardless, just based on pure star power. But nevertheless, uh, to look at that team and to see how well they did in Tyron Lue's first season there, Tyron Lue deserves a lot of credit, and um, he's definitely the greatest Clippers coach of all time. Forget, forget Doc Rivers. Doc Rivers couldn't get that team out of the second round, and he just did it in his first try. So, um, yeah, I, I would hope everyone stays together. Uh, Reggie Jackson, I feel like, is going to be getting a very big contract this mm-hmm. summer. Yeah. Because these playoffs, he's been killing it. Um, Nick Batum, I'm not really sure. I feel like he could probably stay with the Clippers. But Reggie Jackson, it depends on who, if the Clippers, you know, offer whatever someone else would offer him. Because I'm sure he's going to be getting a very, very big contract. Oh, I'm sure Reggie Jackson is definitely going to be someone that will be testing the free agent uh, waters, if you could call it that. Nick Batum, I don't know if he's going to go. I don't know if teams are going to be, you know, um, asking him or offering him rather a big contract because we both know what happened when he got that big money deal with Charlotte. His career just kind of tailed off after that. But he's definitely made a bit of a resurgence with L.A., kind of playing within himself. Um, but yeah, I will really like the fits on that team. Uh, you know, they, as we both know, pushing it to six games without the likes of Serge and Kawhi, who would have definitely been massive contributors, especially Kawhi. Um, for me, I think the series would have gone seven had Kawhi stayed healthy. And for all the talk of Kawhi leaving, I think that's just banter and really nothing much of serious to that because Kawhi Leonard, if he wanted to leave or if he wanted to stay in Toronto he would have stayed the pull of LA and going back home is very strong for him I know he wants to win a championship in LA uh that's clearly a motive so he's not going anywhere and I think yeah if if the Clippers had Kawhi they definitely could have made the finals for sure they, that didn't happen um do you think if let's say next January we're in next January and things are going south do you think they try to move on from Paul George and reshift because I think he's a great fit uh, for that team. We sh- we we both saw what he could do as the main guy and his stats obviously went up, but just the inconsistencies, what kind of brought that down. Do you think Paul George will be the guy, that, that second piece to a championship team if they win a championship, or do you think they'd move on from him? Uh, I would hope they stick with him, and I would think it's a horrible decision if they don't, just because Paul George, uh, all the slander he's received – for myself as well, I have to take it all back because he's proven that one day he will be a Hall of Famer. Um, he's got some of the greatest basketball ability in the league right now. He's fantastic, and uh, there's no reason for him to leave. Uh, I think he unless they want to move him, that is, yeah. But on his own, sorry to cut you off here, but no, on his on, own accord, on. I don't think there's any reason for him to leave. He clearly was part of this project that Steve Ballmer and the Clippers were building when they brought both these guys to L.A. Yeah, as you said, I don't think there's any good reason for him to leave. I think this is, is honestly his best chance at a championship in his entire career with the Clippers. So do you think uh, do you think they're going to try to, you know, add a third star to the mix? They've obviously got a lot of money tied down in their current situation but you know Milan you look around the west uh it's going to be uncertain the future of the nuggets with 
what they do. Nikola Jokic, the only big star really there that's healthy. Jamal Murray, we're still timetable on his return. The Lakers only getting older, and we saw that they dealt with injuries this year. And the Suns, Chris Paul, he's only getting older and older. You know, they're in the finals, but who knows? This might have been a bit of a shock run to the finals this year. I don't think it is. Uh, You have to think that they're going to go to try really push this team over the edge for a championship right next season. I would hope so. I mean, at the end of the day, Kawhi wanted Paul George with the Clippers, meaning if Kawhi wants to be there, Paul George will be there. I don't see there being a situation where Paul George is traded. Uh, because if that's the case, I'm sure Kawhi won't. Uh, Kawhi's the kind of player. If he doesn't want to play, he won't play. Exactly. And um, yeah, he's good enough to do. He's good enough to allow himself to say he won't play. Because we've seen what he's done in three Finals appearances. He's gotten uh, two Finals MVPs, mm-hmm. and one of them he lost in seven, I believe, to the 2013. Heat, yeah, which was a fantastic Finals by LeBron James. Yeah. Um, but nevertheless, I. I don't think Paul George is leaving. I would hope they can. I, there's just no chance I, with the salary cap that they get a third star. But it would be fantastic to see the likes of, a, I don't know, a Damian Lillard. Like a huge, a very good point guard, a huge point guard uh, leading the backcourt for them. That would, be, that would be good to see. Because I think uh, the position you should be upgrading the most is definitely uh, uh, Pat Beverly. Yeah, I agree. Um, it's it's funny because a couple weeks ago we were talking about the Clippers and I was pretty harsh on them. I was saying that, you know, it's a team with two players in Kawhi and Paul George who are really great players, but they kind of fill the same mold, you know, both two-way players, both really good, um, but I they've kind of fit the same mold. So if you're tr- looking to upgrade anywhere, I mean, maybe you could look to upgrade at the at the forward spots or the center. Zubach and Ibaka, they've both kind of dealt with injuries. But then again, all teams deal with injuries. You can't really blame them for that. But yeah, Patrick Beverly, you know, he he fills a good role in, in what he does. But, um, you know, you're, you're not looking for him to carry the offense, as was mentioned in last night's broadcast. So if you want to upgrade anywhere, I'd say it's there. Uh, you know, maybe Terrence Mann takes another step next year. He really impressed a lot of people, myself very much included this year in the postseason. So I'd like to see them keep him around. Um, but yeah, I think definitely the move for LA going into next year has to be to, you know, run it back. Cause I'd say if Kawhi Leonard was on this team, they'd probably be in the finals. So any more thoughts on the Clippers or we should probably get on the Phoenix before this becomes a Clippers centric. <laughs> show. Yeah. Uh, all I'll say is I have to, again, take back all the slander I gave Paul George mm-hmm. because um, this man deserves his flowers and he deserves the respect he's earned. 100%. So on to, on to the Suns, Milan. Chris Paul in the NBA Finals, the first time in his 16-year career. What, are your, what do you make of this Suns uh, run to the Finals? I love it. I mean, um, people can say that they're beating up on beaten teams already. That's the part of the game. Yep. Uh, the Suns navigated the injuries a little bit better than other teams did. And you can't really say nothing about that. You know what I mean? Chris Paul also had COVID and he missed the first two games of this series. Exactly. They still played. Uh, Devin Booker has been playing with a face mask throughout the play throughout the last two rounds, I believe, or maybe round and a half of the playoffs. I believe it was since the uh, the Beverly in when he collided oh, with Patrick sorry. Beverly earlier in the yeah. series. Yeah. But yeah, he's been dealing with a nose issue. Uh, it's not been easy. It's not been an easy run for any of these teams. And 
you know, Melinda, I think really this playoffs can really be described as, you know, the last team standing in terms of how many teams have gone through injuries. So you can't really, you can't really, you know, always teams like such as the 2015 Warriors, right? They caught a lot of slack because they went through teams with injuries, but you know, beat who's in front of you. You know what I mean? 100%. Um, the way I see it, people like to put asterisks through ever yeah. since COVID started, people like to put asterisks on people's uh, championships. The only way I would put an asterisk is maybe if the league has to adjust itself entirely. Um, for example, in the hockey world right now, we see uh, the Montreal Canadiens are in the Stanley Cup finals. Yep. I'm a Montreal Canadiens fan, but if someone were to say there's potentially an asterisk for that, I would understand it because at the end of the day, they played a full regular season against only Canadian teams. They never yep. got to play against the Tampa Bay Lightning throughout the regular season. So I would understand that to say that, you know, even if the Leafs made it to the finals, it would have been an asterisk. Whatever Itali uh, Italian, Canadian team, <laughs> Italy on the brain, um, whatever Canadian team would uh, make it to the finals, I would definitely put an, like consider putting an asterisk for. But I just don't see how you can put that with basketball because every team was facing the same injuries. You know, we'll touch on uh, the East later, but literally every single big team in the playoffs has endured some sort of tough injury. The Jazz had it with Donovan yep. Mitchell. We had uh, LeBron and Mike Conley as well. Mike Conley, I forgot about Mike Conley. Um, LeBron Paul, and AD Kawhi. in the first round. Uh, I'll I'll leave the East injuries for later because there's a whole lot to talk about over there. Mm -hmm. But yeah. you know the way you navigate those injuries is what shows resiliency, and that's what shows a championship team is not just the five on the court, it's everyone. It's the medical yep. team because the medical team is taking care of making sure that you guys are staying as healthy as possible, right? So all credit to the Suns. I don't want to hear no disrespect. One of my favorite all-time point guards, Chris Paul, is finally in the finals. He's finally going to get the respect he deserves, and he's finally going to be in the conversation for all-time great because all-time greatest point guard because he's going to have the championship when he wins All-time greatest point guard, yeah. yeah for me, because there's nothing that all those all-time greats, like Magic, like Stockton, like Isaiah Thomas, do on the court that CP3 doesn't. There is nothing. There's only thing he had, the only blemish he had was there was no ring. Now he has the chance, and now he's going to do it. So you think, we'll get to this We'll get to this later, but you think Phoenix has a pretty good shot at taking it home based off just the Eastern Conference? That series is going to take a bit longer. They'll have a bit more time to rest and game plan. Also, uh, you know, Trey Young's dealing with injuries. Clint Capella's dealing with injuries. And obviously the big one, Giannis, he has a pretty significant injury. So as of right now, I know things can change, but would you have the Suns winning it all? Uh, I will never say 100%, but I do believe that they can most definitely sure. because when you have Chris Paul on your team, anything can happen first and foremost. Devin Booker has been balling. DeAndre Aiden has been balling. There is nothing holding these sons back. That's what I believe. There's nothing that I can say, mm, I don't know if they can do it. I think they can do it. Whether or not they get beat, that's a different story. We'll see what happens when with comes out of the East. But I think the Suns definitely have a legit chance. And they're looking like one of the best teams in basketball right now. 100%. No, and we, we can talk about like the star talent. But that big, what do you call it, a big three? Always the trio of Paul, Aiton, and Booker. That's 
I'd have to say out of the active teams that are, are remaining. So them and the two teams in the East, that's definitely the most formidable threesome that's out there. When healthy, I'd say, I'd say, yeah, because you you could work at Holiday, Middleton and and Giannis on the Bucks, but you know, Giannis, he might not play again this season. And over in Atlanta, it's it's kind of an odd team because there's no all-stars on that team. Uh, Trey Young's great, but he's been dealing with injuries. And the rest of that team, it's it's nice surrounding pieces, but it's nothing that can stack up to the three they got in Phoenix. Would you agree with that? 100%. I mean, um, the thing is, even with Giannis, like we know Giannis is great. We know Giannis is a two-time MVP, league MVP. Player but we do, know, we do know he has his downsides. We do know when you take him the line, potentially he will at least 50% of the time miss – or airball, um, <laughs> you know, if they put him to the perimeter, he's potentially going to be missing a lot of shots, right? So there's a lot of things that we know that are weaknesses on their game. I don't see a lot of weaknesses in the Suns team right now. Yeah, and like the the bench, Cameron Johnson, he's really solid. Jay Crowder, you get him going. Bridges, Cameron Payne, even uh, all guys that have contributed contributed and gotten some nice gotten buckets even Dario Saric off the bench last night he was shooting threes get him get him open he'll hit shots for you so um yeah uh, just based off the fact that they're here much earlier in the finals they get a bit of extra time to you know game plan as I said uh, rest and recuperate they're definitely in, I'd say the better spot going into the finals um and I believe they would have home court advantage I'm not exactly sure on that but if they played Atlanta they which is very likely they could definitely, definitely. have that so uh, yeah, any more thoughts on the Suns or should we get over to the East? Uh, yeah, let's get, get over to the East. Mm-hmm. Okay, so yeah, um, when 2-2 in that series between the Milwaukee Bucks and Atlanta Hawks. Um, game five of that series is tonight. Milwaukee, as the home court team, will be hosting over in Milwaukee. Um, the big story out of this entire series has to be Giannis onto the Kumpo's injury hyperextended his left, his left knee in the third quarter of game five, just after he was really getting going in that third quarter, uh, Milwaukee was down, but he was starting to fire up, get some touches, get some buckets and a really unfortunate timing for an injury like that. Luckily, uh, it's only seems to be a hyperextension for me. When I first saw it, I was, I was having Derrick Rose flashbacks. I thought this guy, you know, he was on such a good trajectory for his career, two-time MVP. Uh, I thought it was going to be the end, like not the end of his career, but I thought it was going to be a grisly injury. But luckily, only a hyperextension. But again, the timetable unclear. Um, obviously, not much more you can really say than this is a brutal injury, and you hope you hope you hope the best for him. Uh, of course, and likewise for Alfred Trey Young, who tripped over the referee's leg yep. and bro- like twisted his ankles pretty bad because he's going to be missing this game and he missed last game. Um, it's just it's unfortunate because it feels like this season's just been riddled with the injuries. Like every every big star has been injured, and it's um it's just the last thing you want to see in the game, right? Like you want, as much as you may hate some stars, you want to see them at their best. You want to see competition. You want to see people doing their best to fight for a championship. And uh, Giannis, I hope he comes back soon. Um, We obviously, we don't, like you said, we don't know the timetable. He will most definitely be back for next season. That's the most important thing Yeah, from what we understand. But uh, I just hope he's back for the series at least if not for this series, if they make it to the finals, I want to see him compete against uh, the likes of uh, Devin Booker and Chris Paul and 
it'll be it'll be an interesting series to say the least, both in the Eastern Conference Finals and in the uh, NBA Finals because both teams are are looking interesting to say the least. Because what we've seen with the um, with the Hawks is even when Trey Young went out after you know killing it, shimmying all over these guys, you destroying them, and we did not expect this. You know, Lou Williams, eleven pepper Lou, shows up and puts up twenty plus points. I think they had a, about five or six players that had 10 plus points in that game. Kevin Herter. Uh, it's just, it's a good team, but it's not, you know, it's like more of so a team collective is good, but they're, like you said, there's no stars per se. Right. So I want to see what they can do in this series before I can say what will happen in the finals. But and yeah, as you said, Trey Young, well, he's a bona fide star. There's no doubt about that. But his emergence into his stardom definitely came in this playoffs. Atlanta with a coaching change earlier this season, it was in a bit of turmoil for sure. And they've really turned it around. And obviously now two games away from the NBA finals, perhaps that would be quite the story. Um, yeah, but it's, as you said, one going to be really intriguing to see what both teams do without their best player on the court is going to come down to the, both teams and what they have in depth. Um, I don't really trust Milwaukee, but I can't see I exactly trust either team. So it's a really fair fight. Uh, it's actually kind of nice to see that because, you know, for so many years, the East was dominated by LeBron. You had one clear team coming out of that conference also this year with the Brooklyn Nets. And had they stayed healthy, they would have been a clear favorite for me to sweep, not sweep, but, you know, take an easy path to the finals. So it's going to be really interesting to see what both teams do without uh, their star players. Uh, going back to Giannis really quickly, if you're the Bucks, Milan, what do you do with his injury? Because we saw what happened with Kevin Durant a couple of years ago. In 2019, obviously, the Warriors clearly rushed him back from that injury, and it made him miss a season of his career. Um, he's still a great player, no doubt. But if you're the Bucks, do you risk it trying to make it to the finals because this is such a great opportunity? Or do you kind of step back and say, we still have a 26-year-old star on our hands? Uh, you know, let's just wait till next year, run it back. If you're the, if you're the Bucks, what decision are you making there? It's a, it's a difficult question because, um, as we know, the Bucks have been for a few years been struggling to get to the in this stage of the yep. playoffs. They've been fighting hard to try to get to the NBA Finals, um, coming short against uh, the likes of Kawhi Leonard, uh, the Miami Heat. Miami Heat. Uh, it, it's difficult because the thing is with Kevin Durant, it's like from what we understand, he wanted to play. He he said, "I'm not going out." like this like we're not going out like this i'm putting everything i have and we're going to try to win this right and i would think from what i understand from Giannis, he's a similar type of of mentality player he's not going to go out without a fight so i would think that he's going to want to play um if i'm the bucks i don't know how you really say no but i also understand the injury standpoint right like you don't want to risk a player's career but at the same time you like you can't like take away the fight from a player that's been fight. Like he's been waiting on this, like his whole life. Like this is literally the state, like the stage he's wanted to be in his whole career. I'd say maybe if he's, um, you know, if they're going to risk it, don't risk it until it's uh one game left kind of thing. Like yeah. if, the, if it's a three, two or a three, three, then I would say, you know, it's time to bring him in. But um, for now, you know, if you can win without him, try to win without him kind of thing. 
hundred percent. And I think, you know, if they make the finals, I can definitely see him coming back there just because there'll be a bit more time since that injuries occurred. Keep in mind, this injury was only two nights ago. Uh, I think it'd be extremely hard for him to come back tonight. So I, if he hasn't been ruled out, but the assumption would be at least to me that he's out tonight, but yeah, if they go down three, two, um, I could see him maybe coming back for that, but still that's a pretty close uh, timetable for a return. And then if game seven occurs and I would, I don't even, I don't even know what to make of it because you have to keep, as you said, the bigger picture in mind with that injury. You don't want to lose this guy uh, to injury and just have his career go off the rails at the, at the price of a finals appearance. Uh, so it's going to be definitely something to keep an eye on. Do I think he's back this series though? No, do you, th- I don't think he will. Do you think, yeah. Do you think he comes back or? I think it depends on where the series is going. I think if they're up, most likely not. But if they're losing, I think he will probably force his way in just because we've seen how Giannis has been throughout his career. He, he doesn't go out without a fight. So I think he will force his way into that lineup one way or another. Right, and then one, one more thing on this uh, series before we move on. Uh, your prediction for tonight, who do you think takes game five? I have no idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is this is a very even series, which yep. we did not see coming. No. Going into the series, we did not. We thought this was. I thought this was Bucks and five. I, I thought, you know, uh, the Hawks are good, but they're just the Bucks are too big, too strong for them. Mm-hmm. But they've proven me wrong. I'll take Atlanta tonight. You'll take Atlanta. Wow, going back with a three-two lead. I'll I'll go against you. I'll take the Bucks. <laughs> I think Chris Middleton has a really big game in him tonight and, you know, they're going to need to get contributions. Um, They're really going to need to run the offense through him. And he's shown he's capable of that. We saw that in game three, Uh, game four was a bit of a wash mentally and both in the scoreline due to losing their best player. Um, But yeah, that's my prediction on that. But yeah, it's going to be a great game tonight and just, you know, two teams without their best players and it's strength and depth tonight. So I'm really looking forward to that, but it's time to move on to the beautiful game. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We'll start off with the Copa America. Um, there's a little bit less to talk about just because it's just the quarterfinals that are set. We haven't actually played the games yet. Mm-hmm. Um, it's different with uh, the Euros and the Copa America because the Euros, uh, the Copa America basically just has two groups of five. Yep. The top four go go through and um, they do like a playoff kind of thing where first versus fourth from group A for, from group B and they face off against each other and then best teams go to the final. Um, so the matchups are Peru versus Paraguay, Brazil versus Chile, Uruguay versus Colombia, and Argentina versus Ecuador, which are, you know, Brazil got first in their group, and it seems very hard done by because they seem to come up against a very, very tough opponent, you know, two-time uh, Copa America champion in the last 10 years mm-hmm. in Chile. Um, Argentina, Ecuador, uh, Ecuador gave Brazil a pretty good game in the, uh, over the weekend. I believe they drew 1-1. Uh, you know, Argentina has been playing extremely good football. Messi, we know what Messi's doing. Messi is a freak of nature, one of the greatest ever, if not the greatest ever. Um, this is, you know, now that the quarterfinals are set and now that it's a knockout round, I'm very excited to watch the Copa America. What about you, Bone? Yeah, I've uh, I've watched mainly Brazil throughout this tournament. I'm going to be honest, I haven't really watched uh, as much as I would have liked. As for the Euros, I've watched basically almost every match in that, not everyone, but close to it so yeah for the Copa America I haven't watched as much as I would have liked but definitely going to walk in uh to 
the rest of this tournament as it goes underway. Um, yeah, as for the tournament, um, I, yeah, I've watched mainly Brazil, and I think they have to be considered the favorites considering they're the, the reigning champions. But, you know, Argentina, they're definitely going for it this year. Messi, one of his probably one of his last few international tournaments as his career begins to enter its twilight years. Um but yeah, that draw for Brazil is pretty, pretty as you said, Milan, they have to feel hard done by by getting Chile. Um, that's probably one of the toughest matchups they could face in the knockouts. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see Brazil lose because international football, anything can happen. Um, but also they have to be considered the favorites in that match. Would, would you agree with that? 100%. I mean, Brazil has been like, I haven't, I know Brazil has been looking dangerous throughout this tournament. Uh, the first game they played against Venezuela, I believe I watched. Mm-hmm. They were killing them. The, it, yeah. Argent, Venezuela had no rebuttal for anything they were doing. You know, Richarlison's had a great tournament. Neymar, we know what he's doing. Uh, Paqueta and his opportunity has played well. Uh, the defense has been great. There, there really isn't a weakness in the Brazil team right now other than themselves, which it always ends up being for Brazil. Yeah. Uh, you know, their downfall usually ends up being either they take it too lightly or uh, they, you know, have a lapse in judgment or whatever it is and they end up losing um but it it looks like we could potentially get a brazil argentina final which will be one of the greatest uh you know international tournament finals we've seen in a very very long time i mean you got the likes of um the greatest ever and a probably top three player in the world right now in the world facing off against each other Yeah, no, that would be a phenomenal final. And I think it would be, I'm really hoping we get to that point. Um, for some reason, I feel like we won't just because, you know, there's always upsets um, and it, it would just be too good to be true, I think. But an Argentina-Brazil final would be phenomenal. Um, it would just be, you know, a great couple of days of international football because I believe the Copa America final ends June or July 10th. And My birthday. the Euros is is the day after, if I'm not mistaken. Is that, yes, is that correct? But yeah. Yes, sir. So, the final falls on my birthday. So I oh, pray perfect. we get Argentina-Brazil final. <laughs> what a present that would be. But um, Yeah, do you think that's the final that you project as of right now? I would hope so, but I'm not counting out Uruguay just because Uruguay mm-hmm. is a fantastic team. We've seen it throughout every turn. They're one of the greatest international sides ever because you know they have more international trophies than the likes of England, who gets all the praise throughout every single tournament right mm-hmm. uh uruguay and every world cup they show up you know when you got the likes of luis suarez and edison cavani up top you can't count out any team with that front line right exactly. um so they also have a pretty tough opponent in colombia they're not the colombia of old no. you know james i don't i'm not even entirely sure if james is on this team i haven't caught up with the colombia team much uh but even so this isn't james that we've seen in 2014 and in his prime years in 2016 with real madrid um it's uh it's a tough opponent but i wouldn't count out uruguay for the final just yet yeah they're definitely for me they'd be the third best team and colombia yeah they usually come into the tournament you know as pretty good a pretty strong opposition um but I, they're definitely not the team of, of years past especially 2014 with james like really breaking onto the scene that season but i would love you know i'd love 
uh, Uruguay, Brazil, Argentina, any of those three in the final, just, just to get a really great matchup. I don't want to see, you know, Brazil against a, a lesser opponent and, and see them walk to the trophy. I want to see them challenged as defending champions. It'd be great for them to really prove their worth and uh, a final against Argentina to prove that and attempt to go back to back against the likes of Messi trying to get it done uh, on an international stage would be quite the spectacle and a a really nice uh, lead up to the Euro final as well. So um, any more thoughts on, on the Copa or, or uh, I'll I'll just give you one question. Like it seems both of us have both Brazil and Argentina in the final. It seems that we both favoring that result. If that is the final, who do you have? Um, Honestly, just based off how Argentina is playing right now with Messi, and he's actually turning up, really, he's really turning it up. I'd have to go with uh, Argentina. I really do because you know Messi, he's still one of the best players in the world, if not the best right now, even at his advanced age, and he's going to be really going for it. Uh, you know, Argentina. It's always the the problem with them is their defense lacks a bit, but uh, right now Argentina, I'd have them in the final. Or winning the tournament. <laughs> I, I would love it. You know, finally, the the disrespect, the blemish on his career of you don't have an international trophy. It's it's going to be gone. It's going to be dusted. I don't care if it's a Copa America. It's the same. It's the equivalent to the Euros, except it's his, his part of the world. And exactly. You can't, you can't, you can't hold that against them. You can't do anything can't hold that against them. <laughs> because as much as I want to hold against uh, Ronaldo, the fact that he got third place in the easiest group in the world, got a cakewalk throughout the rounds, and got to the final got injured and then still won the trophy. I can't hold that against him because he still won the trophy, right? So I don't want to hear no slander about Messi. Guys better shut your mouths because Messi's one of the greatest ever, if not the greatest ever. And if he wins it this year, it's enough. All right? That's enough. Yeah, and obviously the blemish on both those guys' careers is the lack of a World Cup. Um, one more question about, about I guess, Messi and Ronaldo uh, in their inter- international careers. Do you, do you foresee both of them featuring in the World Cup next year in Qatar? Most definitely. I mean, Ronaldo, I can see playing until 2026 in the world on the world really? stage. As much as he may not be as effective as he is right now, I think he'll be part of the side. Part of the side, um, even from the bench or whatever it may be. Ronaldo's the kind of the kind of player that he'll give up when he wants to give up. Uh, his body, it seems, it just doesn't really age as much. Like it ages. Like we've seen, we don't see him do the dribbling that he's done in previous years. You know, he's struggling on the tripling side of the game. Um, <laughs> but he, he's, wor- he's worked his game towards, you know, the poaching side, which has been good for him because we know how much of a clinical finisher he is. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, that's why he's the top goal scorer in the Euros right now, even while being out, right? Yeah, so, give him the service and he'll finish it off, right? Like we saw that against Germany. He clinical finish on uh, ex- perfectly executed counterattack. I don't know why this guy is still taking free kicks. I mean, you know, scores one against I don't Portsmouth talk about years that. ago. Exactly, exactly, exactly. I don't want to talk about that. That guy, he tricked the world, man. <laughs> yeah, so I, I definitely agree with you, though, Malin. I think both players, you know, they're going to be going for it for, you know, probably their last World Cups in uh, in next December. I don't think that – I really don't see – you know, Ronaldo playing till 2026, that'd be phenomenal. How many World Cups would that be? I believe that would be, did he play in 2006? Yes, 2006, 2010, 2006, 2014. 10. Wow, 2018. that would be six World Cups if you made it that far. Wow. 
<laughs> that would be quite the feat. Um, but yeah, I guess talking about Ronaldo, we can transition right over into the Euros. Um, should we start off with probably the most disappointing day in, in uh, football for me? In, in the floor is yours, long? brother. The floor is yours. I've left no notes for this. This is all coming from your heart. Yeah, so defending World Cup champions France, um, as a France supporter, very unfortunate day for me, just based off the way the entire match unfolded. As everybody knows, France drew three all uh, before losing on penalties to Switzerland. I believe it was 5-4 on penalties. Yeah. Um, yeah, really disappointing. Very disappointing. Um, Didier Deschamps, I can't really really fault him for his selection because both left backs were out injured. Um, so Adrian Rabio had to fill in there, which, you know, it, it's a makeshift back line. Uh, I, I don't think Rabio is that good as a midfielder. So playing him in a natural role just spells disaster. He wasn't terrible, but it was just, is not a team at full strength. For me, Milan, I think what happened in this match was I wouldn't call it complacency because France, they clearly turned it on at a certain point in the second half, coming back and scoring two goals in quick succession, uh, both by Karim Benzema to take the lead. Um, I think it was really just uh, injuries that really took down France at the end of the day. Uh, It was a lack of a fully fit squad because Dembele, he was injured before this match. He was out for the rest of the tournament. Uh, both starting left backs were injured as well. Um, you know, France played really well. They were playing really well up until the point where Paul Pogba scored. For me, the goal of the tournament. Um, and I think, I wouldn't call it complacency, really. It was just, you know, Switzerland, they were really up for it on the day. And it showed. And when you once you get to penalties, it's a draw of the hat. It's the lottery. And anything can happen on pens. So, I think I'd be more upset with France's performance had they lost something like 3-4-1 and just gotten walked off the pitch. Um, I can't, you know, it's penalties, it's injuries, um, and it's just, I would say, a bit of a lack of con- concentration at the end, letting Switzerland score twice in the last 10 minutes. I, I think that's really what undid it for me. Um, there's been a lot of talk about Kylian Mbappe and him being a fraud, and that's just not true all right like Kylian Mbappe is one of the best players in world football there's a reason he's valued at over 100 million uh, euros there's a reason why there's been so much talk about him recently there we go there we go the little pop little pop bigger I respect that (laughs) there's a reason he's one of the best players in world football Um, there's a reason that everyone is wanting him on a free on a free agent signing next summer. He's not a fraud. One bad game doesn't define a player's career. All right. He scored at 19 in the last world cup final. So let's just dispel that right away. I get it. It's banter. It's Twitter, but the amount of slander coming this guy's way, was absolutely ridiculous. He's clearly one of the best in the world. Um, so yeah, let's get that out of the way. Uh, Moulin, I know you had something to say on Didier Deschamps' selection and his management of the team this tournament, so I'll hand it over to you before I talk for another hour. Yeah, what are your thoughts on uh, Deschamps' selection uh, and just kind of squad management throughout the tournament for France? Because as we both talked about, uh, it would be nothing short of bringing home the trophy. It would be a disappointment. 100%. But before I go on, and just to let you know, I listened to you talk about France for a full day straight don't don't even worry uh, about you know holding up an hour but you know did it Deschamps we talked about it on uh, the Euro 2020 preview you're gonna leave Teo Hernandez at home and it's gonna bite you in the ass 
And it did. It fully did. And um, I don't want to say I called it, but I kind of did because you still, you know, to say that you didn't have a left back is false because you still had Dubois. Dubois could have played. He plays both left back and right back. And you decided to go with Rabiot because for some reason you have an obsession with Rabiot. Um, there's just, it's a very, you know, it was almost a Pep-esque, this, uh, you know, this experiment in, uh, in this game. Hmm. And it's just, it was very like, you know, I've got a great team. I've got great individuals. This, my team on paper is much better. There's no way, no matter what I do, this formation will win the game. And it didn't work out. Um, you know, they did end up switching to a 4-3-3 towards a point in the game. But when you've got Rabiot as your third midfielder, it's not going to work. I'm sorry. Um, it just won't. It's Rabiot is not a real footballer. I, I'm sorry. Like, and this uh, this news coming of Rabiot's mother, um, yeah. you know, arguing with Mbappe's parents, saying you should be scolding him for his perform. What? Yeah. I know a guy that's out earning nine mil a year in Italy, stealing money from the Italian government, stealing money from Juventus Football Club, stealing a jersey from the French national team, one of the most illustrious national teams in world football. I know her son, or her, his mother is not the one talking. She's the last person that should be saying a word right now, a word. Um, but as I want to say about Deschamps, you know, I didn't want to say it before because I could have been wrong, right? Yep. Because he did he did get his team to a Euro 2016 finals at home. He did uh, get his team to a World Cup final, won it. You know, it was an easier opponent, as, uh, but he, he played on a much tougher side of the bracket. He played the likes of Argentina, the likes of uh, Uruguay. Belgium. He played Belgium in the semifinals. It was a tough bracket to face, and, you know, he pulled through. But I, I'm sorry, my opinion is now confirmed that he is not a great manager. He is not. Um, I believe that if he is with a different squad, a squad that is not of the level of France, because we know what France's side is. France's side, you take out Mbappe, you're st- you can still win a tournament. Yeah. And that's crazy. Because without Benzema, they've already gone to two finals in two tournaments. Exactly. That is crazy, yeah. right? Um, I don't think he's a great manager. And I can't wait until Zidane takes over because I know Zidane is a great manager. I know Zidane is a great man manager. I know he has strategies. I know he doesn't overcomplicate things. And I know he doesn't play favorites. And when he does, it's rightful. Because when he's played favorites against Gareth Bale, Gareth Bale, he's proven him right. Because he went to Tottenham, he had an all right season, but it wasn't great for Gareth Bale's standards. For the money that he's earning, that's not that's not the Gareth Bale we know, right? Um, it is what it is. I mean, Teo Hernandez is at home. Why? God knows. God knows. Um, and I think that the biggest, you know, difference between 2018 and 2021 right now for this France side is the unfortunate fall of grace from Samuel Mtuti. Because yeah. in 2018, he was arguably the best defender in the world, arguably. And um, he, you know, without him, their defense was looking shaky, you know. Varane did all right throughout this tournament, but Kimpembe had a terrible, terrible game. Uh, he was at fault for, I believe, the final goal. Yeah. It was a beautiful through ball for Granit Xhaka. Granit Xhaka, which we'll get to in a second. Fantastic game. Um, I, You know, Mbappe, yes, he did have, you know, a few chances that he fluffed. Easy chances for Mbappe standard. But the thing is, I've always seen Mbappe as, 
he's not clinical. He's never, uh, he's not a clinical, clinical finisher, but he's a fantastic footballer and he'll give you everything else that you need. Yep. Yeah. He may not be as clinical as, as Holland, oh, but he does a hell of a lot more than Holland does a hell of a lot more. Right. And, um, you know, I don't judge him for that because I knew that was going to happen. Uh, like I knew when push comes to shove and Bappe may not score, he could score, but he may, he, there's a big chance he won't. Right. Um, the penalty, it's very unfortunate. Uh, the pressure was mounting on him and he missed. It is what it is. You know, yeah. all the greats have those moments. That's what builds character. We've mm-hmm. seen Messi lose in Copa America finals time and time again. We've oh, seen him lose in World again. Cup finals. Well, at least twice he's lost in the Copa America finals. Um, uh, World Cup finals, he he went out against uh, Germany. We saw Ronaldo in Euro 2004 cry his eyes out, did not win. Uh, we've seen him miss a penalty in the Champions League final for Manchester United. Almost and in Antoine tears. Griezmann, he's another one. He's not at that level, but he missed crucial penalties. He's a great. He is a great. And, you know, the greats have that happen to them. That's, you know, that's what builds the character. And I saw a tweet. It was that Mbappe, you know, his career was too perfect. It seemed like he was an industry plant. Like, he needed this, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we saw pictures of him as a youngin with uh, the likes of Henri, Ronaldo, it seemed too good to be true. We needed we needed him to mess up somewhere, right? And I'm glad it happened here because he's still young and he's still gonna dominate the world. Exactly. He, he will go right to the very top, and him and Holland are gonna be those top two in the world in the coming years. And um, this doesn't define him. And I don't want to hear it on Twitter. I'm tired of it. Um, he's not a fraud. He had a rough game. It is what it is, right? It's football. And, uh, you know, he missed, a, he missed a really good chance at the end of the game. Um, uh, not end of the game, but an extra time. Yeah, he just probably put on one of his worst performances in his career. But again, one bad performance, as we both said, doesn't define a player's career. Um, yeah, he's going to easily make it to the top of the game, without a doubt. He'll, by the end of his career, he'll have bagged probably another international trophy with France, a couple of Champions Leagues, and a ton of league titles and individual awards. So he's going to definitely be one of the best players in world football for a long time. And yeah, just one bad performance doesn't make a career, especially at the young age he is, and especially considering what he's already achieved in his career. So I'm not trying to make this a Kylian Mbappe apology hour, but it's just, I wanted to just get that out of the way that, you know, he's, he's easily going to be one of the best for a long, long time. Uh, but what are your thoughts on Deschamps? Do you want him to stay or are you happy to bring in Zidane? I mean, I feel that, you know, seeing the likes of Spain and Germany and their, their kind of reluctance, I'd say, to switch it up because why are you going to change a winning team after successes with the Bosque and the Love? Um, I can see him, Deschamps, staying around for 2022, but if France disappoint there, you know, the World Cup hangover, a lot of the past winners have not made out of the group stage. If that happens uh, or they fail to win it, I could definitely see them moving on, get a new face in there. And by then, you know, maybe Zidane is the man to take over the job. So I definitely think Deschamps will be uh, the France manager going forward into the next tournament, but I could see the Qatar World Cup being his last. Uh, I um, yeah. I can see that happening, but I would hope for the sake of a lot of French players, you know, Paul Pogba, fantastic tournament, probably the best player in the tournament for me, at least. Um, you know, the likes of Benzema, Benzema scored that first goal for me, top five all time, purely based on the fact that I adore touches. I adore first touches. And that first touch was majestic. 
with that very, very soft finish, you know, beautiful. Um, uh, that quality, I, I don't want it to go to waste. Uh, maybe I believe you disagree with me, but I just don't think Deschamps is the man to lead this team going forward to make them better. And I would hope that Zidane takes over towards Qatar because I want to see France compete. I want to see a world cup or uh, a world champion finally break that curse of, mm-hmm. you know, the hangover, as you said. Uh, so I hope that Zidane takes over, but it's yet to be seen. I definitely believe I agree with you, Milan. I, I think he's definitely the man uh, in line to, to take over from that position just based off his, his uh, CV and what he's done with Real Madrid. Um, and just, he's very well respected in the footballing world. And he's probably one of the hottest free agent managers out on the market. So yeah, I definitely think he'll be, you know, mulling his options, seeing if the job comes open. And if it does, I think if you're the France football federation, he'd have to be, Zidane would have to be the first man that you'd go and try to appoint for sure. Right. Most definitely. Most definitely. Hmm. So yeah, it's definitely something to keep an eye on going forward. Um, but yeah, off of France, uh, let's touch on the England Germany game. Uh, Milan, is it coming home? It, it looks like it could very well be coming home. I, I hope not, man. I hope not. I know, um, you know, as an Arsenal fan, uh, considering that France is out, I guess England's the next team you would be cheering for considering Bukayo Saka is in the mix. But um, mm, I, the last even. thing I want – oh, yeah? Not even? Um, I've been honestly going for Denmark. I don't have any family connections or anything like that, but I had them pick to make the finals, the final, and just the resiliency they've shown after Christian Eriksen, I, that's just a big story for me. So, um, yeah, I'm kind of rooting for Denmark, but, you know, as a neutral now at this point with France, so I'm, I'm really good for anybody to win it. So that's kind of my take on that, but yeah, back, back to the England game. <laughs> yeah. The, the last thing I want is, um, England to win because, you know, first of all, my predictions going to this tournament, I had France champion. Eh. I had Turkey dark horse. Eh. I had, uh, yeah. The turkey, yeah, that was a that's a tough showing from them. Like, and then I said, biggest disappointment, England. And if they if they win, <laughs> if they win this next round, I, I'm absolutely positively muttered because it's not even a disappointment anymore because they're going to be in the semis. And I wouldn't say the disappointment no matter who you play because if you get to the final four of a tournament, much respect to you, right? Exactly. Um, on on the topic of the Germany game, horrible game from Germany. I'd say probably one of the worst German showings I've seen in my lifetime. I don't think I've seen Germany play that wor- that bad in my life. Um, I think that's a bit harsh, honestly. Wh- when have you seen Germany play worse than that? Uh, in, the, in the lead up to the tournament, losing to North Macedonia, getting routed 6-0 by okay, Spain. Okay, Those yeah. are pretty yeah, rough yeah, performances. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the yeah, last fair. entire last World Cup, the showing against South Korea, that was pretty rough. Um, you know, Germany in this match, and I'm not trying to discredit what you said, but Germany in this match, you know, Thomas Muller, he was through on goal and he puts it, he drags it wide of the post. I was inches away from uh, equalizing. And then minutes later, Harry Kane goes and seals the deal with his, uh, his goal to win the match for them. But, you know, I had Germany making the semifinals somehow. Uh, that was a bit of a... <laughs> 
a really out there prediction from me. Um, but yeah, I never really had Germany actually going on to win the tournament. I think this consensus around this team was, you know, when they're a team in transition, they have a lot of holdovers from the 2014 squad, um, but they haven't really got that next crop of young talent to really take over the rest of the squad, you know? Um, so, and it's a Wolves last tournament as a manager. And there was a lot of, you know, uh, it seems like a lot of tension around that squad. So I never really had them winning it. Uh, but are they, you have to say they're a disappointment considering the stature of, you know, how they're seen in international football. Definitely disappointing from Germany. Uh, most definitely. I mean, Germany, when, when you think of great footballing teams, Germany is definitely right up there, right? Mm-hmm. You've got three or four World Cups. Um, you always think of Germany when you think of, and when you think of England, Germany, you know who you think is going to win, mm-hmm. right? Um, <laughs> it, it was a poor performance for me, for me, at least, you know, pathetic, pathetic miss from Thomas Muller. It is what it is. Um, it's, a, it's a new beginning for them under Hansi Flick. Uh, they've been waiting on this because a lot of German fans that I've seen, at least throughout socials, I've, uh, I've not been a fan of love uh, over the last few years and they, they've been waiting on, you know, a new beginning and they're happy that, uh, you know, someone of the stature of Hansi Flick, who's one of the best managers in the world, we've seen it with Bayern, you know, winning a treble, um, taking over Germany. I think they're going to be a very, very dangerous team in the coming years. Uh, you've got a lot of young talent. You've still got, uh, you know, Thomas Muller potentially will still be back for 2022. Um but on to England, you know, mm. how, how a team with two right backs, a left back, one of the most defensive lineups and a three back formation pulled out a two 0 win against a Germany. Who's looking to win is beyond me. Um, you Raheem know, Sterling, um, you know, he's having probably the international tournament of his life. You have to say right now, three goals in four matches, um, and then, yeah, Jack Grealish, instant impact off the bench. There's a reason why the media has been talking about him so much in the lead-up to this tournament. He was the key force in them getting that second goal. He made an instant impact after coming on for Bukayo Saka. Uh, yeah, with the amount of attacking talent at their disposal, we both talked about this. A lot of people have been talking. How can Gareth Southgate afford to play such a defensive lineup that he brought out to start the match? But you know, it's the attacking talent off the bench that changed the game. And Harry Kane finally gets his goal. So, I mean, I, I can't fault Southgate because cl- it clearly worked. You know, playing defensive football may not be always attractive on the eye, but he got the job done. And, you know, you'd have to favor them making it to the final based on where they are in the bracket. Oh, most definitely. The, um, I wouldn't even say this is more of a cakewalk, I'd say, than the World Cup. But it's a tougher opponent in the round of 16. Um, you know, beating Germany is impressive. I've got to give full credit to that. And um, the only thing I'll fault Germany for is I thought it was a horrible game from Germany, but it was a fantastic game from England. Yeah. Uh, they played the strategy, whatever it was, because I don't know what it is, because I can't read Gareth Southgate's mind, because that guy is, <laughs> that guy is something else to perfection. And uh, they got to know when, and they're going to be facing off against uh, Ukraine in the next round. Um is there anything else you want to add on the England uh, England side of things, or should I go on to Ukraine here? No, I, I just, you know, I think uh, Southgate, he actually got it right, and uh, fair credit to him, because I was very I was very much a skeptic of his tactics and what he was bringing to the table, but to go and defeat Germany 2-0 in pretty convincing fashion, it wasn't like walk in the park, but 
kept them out of the net and really Germany had some chances, but weren't able to convert. Yeah. Beating the Germans two nil is quite a, quite a feat. And now, yeah, they were primed to make the final in my eyes. So, you know what, Gareth Southgate, I apologize. Uh, you, you got it right this time. <laughs> I mean, listen, we got to remember if you don't know your own strategy, how the hell is the opponent going to know your strategy? Right. Mm-hmm. So uh, full credit to him for that. You know, he outsmarted, outsmarted a uh, world cup winner and uh, Hakim love. And uh, full credit to him. But on the side of Ukraine, mm-hmm. a fantastic game that day. Uh, Ukraine-Sweden. Um, Sweden had a f- great game that just got extremely unlucky. Emil Forsberg had about three, four big chances. Converted only one of them. Hit the post on, only, I believe, two of them. It was it was very, very tough for Sweden. Um, but nevertheless, Ukraine, fantastic game from them. Shevchenko, Shevabal lives on. To see another day, my boy Shevchenko, my idol, one of my favorite players of all time. Um, you know, he led Ukraine to their greatest ever World Cup finish, which was a quarterfinal, and now he leads them to the greatest ever Euro finish as a manager, which is the quarterfinal. Um, you know, great goal from uh, uh, Dovbik, I believe his name is, mm-hmm. Artem Dovbik. He, he got stubbed on uh, towards the second half of extra time. Great diving header from him. Fantastic game from Zinchenko, who, you know, he's been playing fullback for Man City, but we see that he's a midfielder. We see he was started as a midfielder and he should be playing in a more central role. He just doesn't fit into that team and it is what it is, but he's he's a fantastic player. And um, to say it's easy for Ukraine, on paper for sure, but with the way that Ukraine is playing, with the passion and the, the drive and the we don't want to lose kind of mentality it's hard for me to say it's a cakewalk for England. Yep. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, based off England, you know, it's it would be typical of England to go beat Germany pretty convincingly and then slip up against Ukraine. Um, it's definitely not going to be an easy game. And for England, they can't allow themselves to think it will be an easy match because, you know, as you said, the fighting mentality, that never die attitude. Um, you know, Milan, looking back to their group stage performances in that first match against the Netherlands, Ukraine easily, I'd say easily should have got a point out of that match. I feel they're very hard done by in the manner in which they lost. Um, so, you know, their performances, they, it doesn't look as great on paper based off the fact they had to rely on Sweden to take care of Poland for them just to make the knockouts. But international football, um, anything can happen. And I think that's a really big advantage for Ukraine is that anything can happen once you reach the quarterfinals on all the broadcasts. That's what the commentators talk about is anything can happen in the quarterfinal. I think England are obviously heavy favorites, but, you know, don't count out, don't count out Ukraine one bit. 100%. And, um, you know, if Sheva is the one to send, it's coming home, home. <laughs> The scenes, bro. The scenes. <laughs> you Twitter, well, you'll be having quite the field day on Twitter. I yeah, you, you guys don't want to follow me. You guys don't want to fight. You guys want to mute me because I, you guys do not want to see me on Twitter that day. That's for sure. But um, another game that happened on the France game, the France game day, I want to touch on Switzerland a little bit later after this because this will be the matchup because Switzerland also deserves a ton of credit. I know um, you're not, you're not really interested in talking about them because they knocked out your team but i, I want to give them the credit they deserve but on the other side of that game spain croatia what a match i mean after the tournament i know it's hard to say that after the france switzerland game but you'd have to argue that's top three matches of the tournament by far 
it's uh it, it was something else i mean spain was up 3-1 and it was in the 80th minute it seemed all but dusted uh, all but done for uh, croatia um you know Ontario was just holding that team back tremendously on the attacking <laughs> front he just could not score uh, they subbed him out for um, Dinamo Zagreb legend, Arsenal legend, uh, <laughs> uh, uh Orsic, who scored a fantastic equalizer, and then um, former Milan player, current Atalanta player, Mario Pasalic scored a beautiful diving header to make it 3 3 in the 92nd minute. Mm-hmm. It was scenes, it was absolute scenes, um, in that match and then we go into extra time Alvaro Morata gets the toughest chance he's had all tournament yeah buries it buries, buries it what are the uh, best you could tell... oh go ahead go yeah. ahead <laughs> no but you could tell with that celebration that he was angry mm-hmm. that, that goal meant a lot to him and it was when I saw the ball come down to him I was thinking he's skying this he's putting this wide there's no chances going in and he absolutely buries it takes his chance when it comes to him um, you know, he's missed, he's missed some massive chances. It has to be said almost every game, he misses a big chance, but he scored that one when it counted the most up to this point in the tournament. And you have to give him credit. I heard that this man was receiving death threats, uh, based off his poor performances, which is just absolutely ridiculous. You know, again, I've talked, we've talked about this in the past. I don't see how some people can't separate the match, what they see on the pitch to at the end of the day, they, these guys are players playing it playing a game for 90 to 120 minutes um but yeah you know alvaro Morata, shout out to you you buried that one you helped spain advance in a game where they was they were really on the ropes for a while there so um what do we make of spain's chances in the next round i mean they're coming up against switzerland which we didn't really talk about in that france game but switzerland played a fantastic game i'd say a flawless yeah. game um granite Xhaka, i believe he's gonna be suspended for the spain game which is a huge, huge loss for the Switzerland team. You know, the captain. Captain, he, the leader of that team. He, you know, as much as Pogba did have a great game, he pretty much dominated their midfield because he had, you know, he was stringing passes through. He uh, he was doing great interceptions. He was playing a great, great game. And um, I'm happy for him because I've always been a bit of a fan of Granit Xhaka. Um, you know, most Arsenal fans aren't. I've always, I always have been. I always thought he doesn't really just fit the Premier League. I think if any, if he's in any other league, he fits that league perfectly. Yeah, a bit like Jorginho. Jorginho, I don't think he fits the Prem. He's a bit. He plays a regista role. Who's a, a regista isn't really in the English style of football. Yeah, it's more so seen in Italy. And I think um, you know Jaka is fantastic for that role. If he gets that move to Rome that he's uh, been fighting for, it'll be great for uh, Mourinho. Um, and you know, Ricardo Rodriguez, I could have bet my house that he was going to miss that pen. And of course he did. Um, they're interested that Rodriguez that, was the man to take that penalty. I, I don't know much. Missing about- five straight, missing his last five. And he took the pen. Yeah. If Switzerland advance any further, you'd have to think he's being taken off penalties, but I don't know. That's, you know, maybe they keep going with him. Hope he'll break that duck. But um, yeah, Mon, you, you, we were texting about this uh, the other day and you said that you think Spain are not going to have an easy time up against Switzerland, obviously with Xhaka not being present, that's a big loss, but I still think they'll make a game out of it. I mean, they beat France. Like, who are we kidding here? Switzerland cannot be taken lightly after that performance. The organization in that team is, I, I think they're the most organized team. Uh, maybe Italy is part of that yeah. mold, but I think they're one of the most organized teams in the tournament. They may not have the star power, and they sure as hell don't have the star power, but when you have 
the likes of Jordan Shakiri giving me moments of brilliance. You've got um, Seferovic from Bantvika scored two beautiful headers against France. Um, you know, they're, they're a force to be reckoned with. And I don't think this will be easy game for Spain. I'm taking Switzerland in this Spain game. Really? That's, uh, that's quite the prediction there. I would not, I wouldn't pick that myself, but international football, we saw what happened last game. I would say if I had to pick that one right now, I'd say probably Spain three, one, but again, I can't discredit, I can't discredit, uh, Switzerland at all, but yeah, no, for me, Xhaka and just the way he's been performing this tournament, you know, without him, it's going to be a lot tougher, but again, at the end of the day, we'll see there, uh, anything more on that matchup in that quarterfinal, or should we get quickly to the other matches? Uh, let's get into the other matches, sir. All right. So, um, yeah, I guess we could touch on Czech Republic. Milan, did you think this performance against, uh, the Netherlands was an upset? Because I, I don't. <laughs> and not an upset because it was in your bracket <laughs> not an upset because i think the netherlands are actually pretty fraudulent uh the boar is no longer in charge he stepped down due to uh, a terrible tournament performance from him uh what are your thoughts on that <laughs> uh i mean listen frank de boer the worst coach in the euros and it's not even close uh i tweeted uh if you're fired by an MLS team, mm-hmm. you have no business leading a national side, right? Um, you know, the Netherlands were playing well, I'd say. You know, uh, Daniel Mann had a very good chance, and he unfortunately fluffed it. Mm-hmm. And right and after that, that was when... dropped by 20 million. 100%. But right after that was when, you know, the Dutch capitulated big time. Um, Matthias De Ligt with a schoolboy error. Um, a clear handball and a clear red card um, on uh, a breakaway chance for the Czech Republic. Put them down to 10 men. And, um, you know, it, it was tough for them at that point because uh, Holesh, I believe Holesh scored yep. the first goal. Uh, beautiful header for Beautiful him. set piece too. Beautifully worked. Beautiful. Just, uh, you know, the Czech have been playing fantastic. And um, Schick again hits his fourth goal of the tournament. Now one off of Ronaldo could potentially become the, you know, the uh, top goal scorer in the next round. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, don't, you know, I, I did not have that on my bingo card. Did not have that on my bingo card. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, um, no. I mean, I was just really disappointed with Memphis Depay in that game. He was he was missing uh, set piece after set piece. The technique wasn't there. And from a team that's to- so technically sound as the Dutch, you'd think they'd have that on point. It's not the Dutch team that walked through the doors of the 2010 World Cup, the 2014 World Cup. Uh, that, that, that The same DNA is just not there. Obviously, they're missing some stars um, in that team, such as Virgil van Dijk. He wasn't there, obviously, and he's a massive presence if he was um but yeah just the management the lack of the star power um i i'm glad to see the netherlands back in an interna- international tournament but this year just, i never had it being their year and i'm not surprised at all um but yeah maybe going forward some of their younger players keep getting better progress they could have quite the team in the world cup in a couple of years but that's to be seen um any more thoughts on that match or should we quickly get on to uh the remaining fixtures because we've been talking about the year for quite some time yeah yeah uh i just wanted to get your thoughts on because i know you have uh your final is italy denmark uh the matchup will be czech republic versus denmark who do you have in that matchup um have to go with denmark um i'm very impressed by what the czechs were able to do against the dutch 
Um, but yeah, Denmark is just so sound uh, in their in their organization as well. Even without Ericsson, you know they got a luckier, they got an easier draw for sure against Wales, but they did not disappoint winning that match four 0 beating Russia four one, and playing a really good match against Belgium before Belgium made some great substitu- substitutions. Um, and yeah, Czech Republic is definitely an easier opponent for them to face. I'm not discrediting the Czechs, but if I had to pick it right now, as I've picked them to make the final, I'm going Denmark. Uh, I, I have to agree with you there. I mean, Denmark, they've been looking very, very good. Um, uh, Simon Kerr was uh, nominated as the best player of the round of 16 with 90% passing uh, accuracy. Yeah. Great tackling, great vision. You know, he's a man on the mission right now. He is planning to do everything it takes to, you know, uh, keep Denmark in this tournament. And, uh, you know, your picks, which we'll talk about right now, Bowen, your bracket picks, which you put out on June 10th, (laughs) they blow my mind, brother. They blow my mind because the fact that you got all but one team and every matchup basically right, in the round of 16, in terms of who got first, who got second, who got third in their groups, hats off. Because it's it's unbelievable how extremely accurate you were. You, you picked the Czech Republic to beat the mm-hmm. Netherlands. The only thing you had wrong is that you and I both picked uh, Turkey to make it second second place in that group. Obviously, Wales, biggest you know, they prevailed. Yeah. And Turkey was the biggest disappointment in the, throughout this tournament. You have had everything all but, you know, the last, um, I believe, you picked Croatia over Spain. Pick Spain, France. Uh, Spain picked Germany. You picked so, France. Yeah, it kind of fell Germany. apart. Pick Sweden. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, uh, it is what it is because even to get that first part of the bracket right, fantastic. And uh, your finals pick is still it's still alive. It's still alive. So that's what I'm banking and, on. Um, but we'll see. <laughs> and it's looking good. I mean, uh, we didn't talk about Italy, but the Italy game against Belgium on Friday going to be very interesting because. Uh, Although Belgium obviously has the better star power and the likes yep. of Lukaku, they will be missing both, potentially both, Kevin De Bruyne and Eden Hazard to injury. Um, you know, Belgium was a great game. They finally beat uh, Ronaldo's voodoo luck, uh, getting <laughs> third place in the group and getting all the way to the final. They, not, not this year, you know. Portugal had a great game. They had a lot more chances, but Belgium pulled through with a moment of brilliance from Torgan Hazard. Yeah. Um, and Italy... Uh, there wasn't really much to say about the Austria game. It was it was just close. It was a great game to watch for the first game of the of the knockout phase. The but they still look very very good, like they have throughout this whole tournament. And it's going to be a cracking game on Friday. Yeah, that's for me. That's the winner. Of that match kind of has one hand on the trophy. You'd have to say, right? Just based off uh, how close they'll be to, to the final and some quality wins along the way for both sides. Uh, I would think so as well. Um, I mean. It seems the favorites right now for the finals are going to be Italy, England. Yeah, uh, which would be a cracking game in itself. <laughs> I wouldn't want that. I obviously, I would actually love to see the final that you predicted, Italy, Denmark. I think that would be a great game because uh, Denmark, similarly to Italy, similarly to um, Switzerland, they're a very organized team. Uh, Damsgaard had, has had a fantastic tournament stepping in for Christian Eriksen since yep. uh, the accident, and uh, he's set for a big move, hopefully to Milan. Uh, just the whole team. I remember coming into this tournament, we said, is this going to be Casper Dolberg's tournament? And, you know, yeah. he's played well. He's played well. 
scored a brace in their last match. And uh, I believe that was only down to the fact that Yusuf Polson was injured. So he came in and filled, filled that spot. And he, I think he has to at least be in contention for selection going forward throughout the tournament if Polson's still injured. Um, but yeah, Denmark looking really good. It's going to be a test against the Czechs, but if they get through that, anything can happen. And who knows, maybe they come up against the Ukraine uh, that comes off of, playing their hearts out against England. So we'll see. Um, but yeah, any boys. more thoughts on the Euros or we could move on? Uh, let's get into some transfer news, boss. Yeah. So biggest transfer news of the summer so far, the Jaden Sancho uh, saga comes to a close. He officially completes his move to Manchester United after last last summer. Obviously, we know United messed around, messed around, messed around, couldn't get the job done. S- Sancho stays in Dortmund, plays great, uh, ups his market value. Uh, the transfer, I believe, wasn't as much uh, this summer as Dorman were originally looking for last year, but still, the move is completed uh, nevertheless. And Sancho on the red side of Manchester after beginning his career in the Manchester City Youth Academy, I believe. Um, but what are your thoughts on this move? I think it fills a massive hole that United have been lacking for years, which is the right wing position. And he just slots into a, into a United side who can easily challenge for the title with that acquisition. I think it's a great move, but contrary to you, I don't think that they needed this. Um, you know, Ahmad Diallo that they picked up earlier on uh, in January, he, mm-hmm. you know, when he's had his chances, especially against Milan in the cha- in the Europa League, he's showed up and he's a, obviously a great, great talent. And they have a lot of players that are similar in that role. You know, you got the likes of um, uh, the likes of Rashford. You got, you know, potentially. Uh, Jesse Lingard coming back, who, you know, clearly isn't a player that should be sitting on the bench, as we've seen. Um, you know, you got in the midfield, you got Bruno Fernandez. It just seems they have a lot of players that are in the same role. But I, he is a great creator, yeah. which um, you can't deny, right? And you create chances, you're going to score goals, right? So I think he's going to up the team, but I think it's going to be detrimental to the likes of, you know, Ahmad Diallo, who... He's a young guy, and I think he's deserving of his chance because he's he's proven it in the opportunities that he's had. And um, it, it's tough because they paid they paid good money for him, right? Yeah. So I don't know. What do you think? I think it's a great move. Um, I've been on the fence. I was at, at first I was saying, yeah, they don't need him. They don't need that position. They got a lot of players that can play there. But I do think what it does add is depth. Uh, and he's not a depth piece. Obviously, he's going to slot right into the starting lineup. Um, but yeah, they're not relying on a Diallo, a Greenwood, uh, a Martial even. I think Martial's time at United may very well be up. I think they're looking to move on from him. Um, <laughs> maybe we can see what he does. But yeah, I think he's clearly the starter in that position and a front three of Rashford, uh, Cavani, and uh, Sancho, supported by Fernand, uh, Pogba, and whoever else in that midfield. Uh, it's a great, great team, and I think you'd have to put them up t- challenging for the title for the first time in a while, a serious challenge, not like last year where they were top of the league in January before crumbling. I think they're going to be serious challenge- serious challengers for the title throughout. This is their closest they've been since uh, the Louis van Gaal era with uh, Zlatan, uh, the first year of Pogba. This is definitely the closest they've been since then. And, um, you know, I think City should still, unfortunately, still cakewalk just because of the City and because of the, the Premier League. It just, they dominate. It's, uh, 
to no fault of United because United will play great football, I think. I think Jaden Sancho is fantastic. I think Jaden Sancho coming back to England is fantastic. But yeah. um, I just I don't see how you beat City. I, I don't. And uh, they seem to be getting better and better. You know, they're linked right now with both Jack Grealish and uh, Harry Kane after saying they have no money and they can't replace anyone. Unbelievable. You know, bald fraud, but it is what it is. <laughs> I'm playing, I'm playing, I'm playing. Um, but yeah, Manchester United, uh, hope for the best. You know, we've got a lot of United fan, uh, fan friends. We, we got uh, Jelani and Jay, both uh, big United guys. So for their sakes, we hope you guys have a great year coming ahead. Yeah, Milan. So I think, yeah, Sancho, it's a great signing. Um, and he'll definitely be bolstering an attack that will be trying to win the Premier League for the first time since 2013. So any more on that, or are we get to move on to Sergio Ramos uh, to PSG, which is, I think, the biggest – no, it's not – I think it is the biggest free agent signing of the summer. Sergio Ramos ending his time at Real Madrid after, I believe, 15 years at the club winning it all. Um, but yeah, now looking for a new challenge, looking to bring home the Champions League to Paris. And it's a massive, massive upgrade for that back line, not only in quality, but just in mentality, in the leadership he brings that side. Um, I think is really going to try to get a winner's mentality into that club because we saw with PSG, they crumble under the pressure time and time again. Clearly, all they're going for right now is the Champions League. And it's going to be kind of not really a last dance. But, you know, with Mbappe, he might be at the end of his time in Paris if they don't win the Champions League. And, yeah, I think just bringing Ramos into that team, it's clearly what they're trying to do is win the Champions League. Um, They should win the league after Lille have kind of defunct in a way. But sold a lot of players and moved on um, from that league-winning team. But, yeah, I think it's clearly a Champions League-winning move oriented in mind. What are your thoughts on Ramos going to Paris? I mean, first and foremost, let's get it straight. PSG losing this title is an embarrassment to this team because they have no business losing. Even if Leo has been playing fantastic football, they had no business losing this title considering the star power they have. That's number one. And number two, and most importantly, PSG seems to be playing career mode here. Um, They're signing uh, both Donnarumma and Sergio Ramos as free agents. Two great, great signings. I believe Hakimi is in the works as well, is he not? Hakimi will be announced in the next 15 days. Unbelievable. Uh, 60, million si- 60 million signing. You know, you got the likes of Wijnaldum as a free agent as well. It's funny because when they didn't join the Super League, they were the ones that were ruining football. But now that they're buying everyone in the world, everyone's salty, right? Uh, you guys are shocked by this? You guys, this is new to you? It's just... Uh, I mean, not only that, but the infamous summer of 2017 with the Neymar transfer. It's, it's they're playing with on Neymar funds. and Mbappe. Neymar and Mbappe in the yep. same summer spent almost, I believe, it was 400 million euros in one summer, just on those two players alone. Whatever, man. But um, as we've always said throughout, you know, both uh, no cap recap and slightly by sports talks, what wins you the Champions League is Champions League DNA. Yep. Um, other than Ronaldo, I don't think there's a single player in the world right now that has more Champions League DNA than Sergio Ramos. Yeah. Um, we've seen him in the final scoring clutch headers. We've seen him score penalties. We've seen him do everything that you need from a champion. And, uh, you know, they're definitely favorites for everything for a sextuple come next season. Uh, I don't believe you should be winning the F1. You should be winning 
the Super Bowl, the Copa America, the Super Bowl, Stanley everything. Cup, when you have World a team Series. like that, the Stanley Cup, <laughs> it, it's it's ridiculous, man. It, it is. It really, really is. And um, you know, more power to them. Um, but I definitely won't be cheering for a team that has that much star power because I always I love an underdog and I don't want to see uh, them dominate. Uh, if Milan gets placed in a group of PSG and we somehow beat them even once, <laughs> just know, again, you will not want to see my Twitter because my Twitter will be just harassing oh, yeah. every player on PSG because you have no right losing to us and you have... Uh, uh, that's all I have to say, man. Uh, good for Ramos, though, getting that bag at, at that uh, big age of 35, 36. Uh, I'm happy for him. When he's still clearly one of the best on his day, still one of the not in the right now, not maybe where he was five, six years ago, but he's still regarded as one of the top defenders in world football. Even if he's lost a bit of a step, that mentality he has, you know, maybe he's lost a bit in the physical sense, but the mentality he brings is unmatched. Um, so yeah, that's my thoughts on that. A great signing for them, but it's just brutal because you know they're just gonna take over the league for the next however many years running. After one fluke season losing the league, they just decided to go all in. And uh I'd say they're definitely a favorite for the Champions League. Um, that's my thoughts on that though. Should we move on to uh Kejugador? Uh, yes, sir. Casual Godard, you want to go first? I'll go first. So I'm actually not going with a player. I'm actually going with a league uh, and what they've done recently. And mine, uh, I guess you could say, I don't know what the word for league is in Spanish. Maybe Liga. <laughs> um, I'm going with the WNBA. Uh, the WNBA announced they have a 99% vaccination rate throughout the entire league. Um, just absolutely wonderful to see that they've really embraced uh, going to get vaccinated. Um, and it's just, I think a lot of other sports leagues and just people in general should really take notes from them. That's absolutely wonderful. Um, so yeah, uh, shout out to the WNBA really setting the precedent for leagues and how they should be in my eyes, at least treating this whole pandemic situation as we continue to move out of this. So shout out to the WNBA. That's a massive tip of the hat to them and just, all, utmost respect to them for that action. 100%. I also saw that news a couple of days ago and I was, I was taken aback considering what has happened in all the major leagues, all the leagues that have been making so much more money than the WNB yep. and they've struggled to get to this level of, uh, you know, vaccination. Um, I'm, I'm very happy to know that the WNBA is doing well and potentially will, uh, will have fans in the arenas with maskless very, very soon. Um, but uh, just a quick sh- shout out. I want to also give to the zone for um, mm. they will be including women's champions league next year. Yeah. So we'll be able to actually watch some women's football for me. At least I've always, I haven't uh, co- contrary to other people saying, you know, the women's game isn't as interesting maybe to, you know, but I, if I had the opportunity to watch it, I most definitely would. Um, you know, AC Milan is going to be playing in the women's champions league for the first time in its history. I will definitely be watching our games um so hats off to the zone for that uh not my what i got not my pick but definitely definitely there i gotta give him a shout out for that but uh my Kejogador, sorry to let you down brother it's jaka because jaka deserves all of his flowers right now brother jaka with a masterful performance um you can see just in front of the penalty shootout rallying the troops uh with with a coca-cola in hand not yeah. of water not of agua um, you know, Ronaldo mudded. It is what it is. Um, 
shout out to him, man. He uh, he led his team. Uh, once they won the penalties, he ran to the coach, not to the fans, not to the players. He ran to the coach, mm-hmm. celebrated with him in arms. Fantastic, and I'm 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 ecstatic for him. He he's endured a lot. Um, sometimes to his own fault, sometimes not. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's tough to be in England, and um, I'm I'm very happy for him. Who knew? Who knew? Uh, who knew this man could uh, dye his hair blonde and become a world class player? Not me. Not me. I was definitely not uh, one of the people who thought he had that performance in him. But yeah, you know, it was a masterful performance for him to my detriment uh, as a French supporter and uh, his critic. You know, uh, but uh, anyways, respect to Jaka for that. You can't hit on that. And I wish he was playing the next round just because you want to see him keep going, uh, back up that performance with another good one. Um, but. It is what it is, and hopefully Switzerland advance. Because you know, as a France supporter, going out to the defending, going out to the champions, uh, if Switzerland goes all the way, they'd be able to say that two two tournaments running. So, <laughs> any more thoughts on uh, anything else? Are we good to wrap up? Uh, let's get it done, buddy. Yeah, this has been a long one. Um, but, uh, yeah, Probably for gonna myself, have to split this one. Probably gonna have to split this one. Yeah, for myself, uh, Bowen Cunningham, Milan Stanshu. This has been yet another episode of Slightly by Sports Talks podcast and video. We'll be dropping very shortly, hoping to get this one up soon. But again, thanks to everybody who listens and watches. We appreciate your support as always. And uh, until next time, Bowen, Milan, out of here. <laughs> Later.